0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
1: And thanks for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. I just want to let you know, if you're keeping an eye on the weather map, anything can happen at any time. Uh, They did announce that uh, Penn National will be closed this evening. And uh, they're saying that where I am, we could experience power outages. So let's hope for the next 58 minutes we can get through this without any power outages. Well, we've got... uh, Two uh, powered guests for you, and they're, they're guests that have never been on Winning Ponies before. Now, Peter Rotundo Jr., you may recognize him from the new show, Horse Players. Of course, last week we uh, talked with Michael Baychak about being in the show. Uh, it's on the Esquire Network, if you're lucky enough to get that. And uh, Peter Rotundo Jr. plays with his dad. They kind of team up for uh, the experience. I imagine they switch bets. Somebody plays a long shot card. Somebody... Uh, maybe it uh, goes a little chalkier, but either way, uh, they're trying to get to the, uh, daily racing form NTRA National Handicapping Championship. And, uh, uh, I've known Peter for many years, a very interesting fellow. He graduated from the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program, uh, worked for the Daily Racing Forum, worked for the NTRA, and since 2006, uh, he's been with the Breeders' Cup. He's Vice President of Media and Entertainment. So, we'll get some background, uh, uh more of the, uh, uh, happenings behind the scenes on Horse Player and, uh, probably find out some things where the uh, Breeders' Cup is, is headed in the days ahead. My second guest, uh, is quite the Renaissance man. Uh, he's, uh, from New Orleans. His name is Rick Mocklin. And Rick has probably done just about everything you can think of in racing. As a matter of fact, he started out as the, uh, youngest track announcer uh, he first called his uh, first race at Jefferson Downs in Kenner, Louisiana, if you know where that is, just outside of uh, New Orleans, and he was 17 years old. Uh, since then, uh, Rick's announced at uh, many other tracks. Uh, he's also been the director of communications at the fairgrounds. He's done on-track television host. He's been a handicapper, an odds maker. Uh, Rick's uh, traveled all over and done a lot of things. Right now, he's also, and has done this for many years, a a jockey's agent, and he uh, currently has the career of Richard Iramia, who is riding at the fairgrounds. So that's Rick Mocklin. We'll go get into him and Peter Rotundo uh, as we catch up on some of the national news. I hope you've been getting your... uh, Easy win fig sheets uh, from winning ponies. I know on at Tampa Bay Downs earlier this week uh, we had a super for two thousand one hundred and sixty one dollars. Well, waiting to hear the other shoe drop. Delmar plans to install. Dirt track for 2015, Uh, it's going to replace the existing synthetic surface, according to President Joe Harper. Uh, They say they're going to find the right material. They want to make sure that since synthetics have uh, been built as such a safe track that they want to make sure that this is a very track. Of course, many people uh, feel that this could be a move where they are going to try to lobby to... Get the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar. Certainly it would be a, a great venue to have it. <clears throat> and they say, you know, and we've seen where uh, Mike Rapoli and some other people have decided not to go uh, out west and some people for not to race on the synthetic surfaces, uh, though I don't think it's kept any European horses away. But So this is it for Del Mar. Um, they are they are going to dirt and there's rumors about some other tracks that i will not let leak at this time because one of them is a very big track so um while you're downloading your winning ponies easy win forms there is a new contest that's going out uh west point thoroughbreds uh who's uh, put together so many great racing partnerships is teaming up with the pollock report and one two three racing for a free handicapping challenge and it's going to start this week okay it's uh $2,500 2500 Derby Dollars contest uh, presented by those entities. Now, it kicks off with this week's Fountain of Youth. We're going to handicap that with Rick Mocklin later tonight, also the Risen Star uh, at the fairgrounds. So this is going to continue over the next 10 weeks, and it's going to accumulate with the Kentucky Derby, and uh, there are all the three-year-old events leading up to that. How do you get in? Again, it's free. It's called... DerbyDollarsContest.com. dot com. So uh, Terry Finley, president of West Point Thoroughbreds, is just saying that uh, he just hope it will appeal to racing enthusiasts across the country. So they're putting up the money again. DerbyDollarsContest.com. dot com. Pull down some forms from winning ponies, and hopefully you'll get the top prize money. It's uh, fifteen hundred for first place, five hundred for second. 250 for third, 150 for fourth, and 100 for fifth. DerbyDollarsContest.com. Now, if you want to be able to watch a lot of the upcoming big races, um, it, for the fourth consecutive year, Horse Racing Radio Network, uh, who won the Eclipse Award last year for broadcast organization, are going to be providing exclusive radio coverage of the Kentucky Derby, but they're going to have a lot of big races leading up to that. Now, you say, I'm way down in South Florida or I'm way up in Portland. Doesn't matter. Go to www.horseracingradio.net Horseracingradio.net, and you'll be able to uh, listen to some of these races. You just hit the Listen Live button. Uh, let me give you the uh, road to the Derby schedule. Uh, February 22nd, they're going to start with the of Youth and the Risen Star. Again, that is this Saturday. <clears throat> then they're going to go to New York for the Gotham Stakes on March 1st. The following week, the Tampa Bay Derby. The following week, the Rebel Stakes. Next week, the Spiral Stakes. And then on March 29th, they're going to have three different races. Going to have the UAE Derby from over in Dubai, the Florida Derby, and the Louisiana Derby. April 5th, Wood Memorial in Santa Anita, and then April 12th, the Bluegrass Stakes and the Arkansas Derby. The final points race there that they'll be covering is the Coolmore Lexington. So that you'll be able to tune in and listen to all of your favorite races. On the internet, okay. Well, uh, Dwayne Lucas uh, looks like he's going to line up for a uh, a big rematch here against Mucho Macho Man, uh, and it looks like they will be. Uh, hooking up together, going to the Santa Nita Handicap. That's going to be March 8th, of course, grade one, the rematch between Mucho Macho Man and Will Take Charge, who just finished uh, necks apart in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, Lucas is going to be uh, shipping up, I believe, after a workout in Florida uh, that will take place on Saturday. <clears throat> Yeah, mucho Macho Man, of course, uh, it's just been something else. Um, they thought perhaps that he was going to uh, ship over to Dubai, but his connections have said that uh, he's going to uh, skip the World Cup and point to the San Anita Handicap. So looks like we're going to have a great rematch coming up. Of course, we'll be covering that here on Winning Ponies for you. Um, there's going to be a lot of good races this week, and again, we'll be covering those with, with, with uh, Rick Macklin uh, down at the fairgrounds where he's based. Uh, we're going to go to the Risen Star, and we're starting to pick up the points now on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Now uh, the point system, uh, the first section is pretty much over what they call the Kentucky Derby prep season. Uh, this weekend starts the Kentucky Derby Championship Series, uh, with the Fountain of Youth and the Risen of Star. And the points jump. They were 10, 4, 2, and 1. And now the point system, uh, amps up to 50, 20, 10, and 5. And, uh, also there will be, uh, Kentucky Oaks points that will be given out. We'll be looking at some of those races. Uh, one will be the grade two, Davona Dale Stakes. Uh, that's going to be at Gulfstream Park. Looks like a pretty good matchup uh, between uh, uh, only for you, who's undefeated in three career starts. Uh, Pletcher very good at stretching horses out from sprints to routes, so that horse is going to be uh, very dangerous. And then uh, Stop Charging Maria, she may be the class of this field. She's a multiple grade one placed while facing top fillies uh, last year, and she was the runaway winner of the grade three tempted. So uh, only for you and cha- Stop Charging Maria uh, will be going in the Devana Dale. And then later with, uh, with Rick Mocklin, we're going to be looking at the Rachel Alexandra. This is going to be a very interesting field. You've got uh, Bob Baffert shipping in, Steve Asmussen, Todd Pletcher, uh, a guy by the name of Jeremiah Engelhart. As you remember, we had Ron Paolucci on the program earlier, and he broke the news that uh, Rio Antonio was going to try to take a path to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, he's obviously gotten a little bit flexible, according to Jeremiah Engelhart, and uh, they're going to uh, at least see how they fare against the girls In the Rachel Alexander way down yonder in New Orleans so uh, while we will look at those races for the Phillies the boys again the points come out this week and we're going to be looking at the risen star stakes and uh, looks like uh, this could be a very interesting race a lot of horses uh, have raced against each other very closely and uh, out of the race um, Doug O'Neill said that bondholder got, got body soreness from a rough airplane flight coming into Louisiana. So bondholder out, and that means that uh, a shipper Emmett Park that had been running a turfway park for uh, trainer Bobby Pinsons will draw into that race. And then, of course, uh, down in Florida, uh, we're going to see a very interesting race. You've got, you've got the, the top-billing commissioner rematch. You've got the top three horses from the Gulfstream Park Derby and the top two from the Hutchinson are all going to be matching strides in there. And, again, we'll be, we'll be handicapping that with our friend Rick Mocklin. Let's go back again last week. We had uh, Michael Baychak, who's uh, one of the top handicappers in the country and uh, another one of the colorful characters on Horse Players. He was with us last week. One race uh, that we uh, didn't handicap because it was later in the week uh, was the Southwest, and uh, Tapiture rated beautifully on the rail and then just dominated through the lane. Now, uh, Tapiture, you may recall, Last year just missed in the Iroquois stakes at Churchill Downs. So he already had Derby points and right now goes to the top of the leaderboard with 22 points. It was a very impressive win for Tapiture. Now uh, the even money choice in there was strong mandate. The D. Wayne Lucas training, uh, he was easily second. If you go back and look at this race, you'll see that he was widest of all on the back stretch, uh started passing horses on the turn. But as you know, you end up losing ground uh, when you do that. And uh, kind of a, Made a little bit of a run, but Tappature just got away from them all. The Steve Asmussen trainee looked very, very impressive. Just another in that line of, of Tappet Colts that just keeps popping up. So that was the Southwest the other race that we handicapped that, that gave out some points was the El Camino Real. And in here, Jerry Hollendorfer and Russell Bays. These guys know how to get the job done in the El Camino Real. Uh this was the sixth win for Hollendorfer, the ninth for Bays, the horse Tama Rando. Uh, Tamarando's a California bred put in a solid close. And uh this is a horse that uh likes synthetic. We'll see what happens as things change. Um the horse that was uh, uh, favored to win in there was was enterprising, who, who had to had to wait a little bit, but really, I don't believe uh, had an excuse. Uh, game horse was dance with fate, coming off the turf, and uh, this horse ran uh, second to Tamarando in the Delmar Futurity. Uh, last year almost held on, but it was impressive at two to one. A solid close. Tamarando, who I believe was just voted the California two year old of the year. So, uh, wide open derby picture this year is going to be very interesting. And uh, we went out to Santa Anita, took a look at the Santa Maria, and Iotapa proved that uh, she can go a distance for trainer John Sadler, and uh, got the job done there. She can win beyond sprints. Uh, running second in there was let faith arise, uh, one of the several horses that came out of the La Canada at Santa Anita. So congratulations to the connections of Iotapa. Joe Talamo was in the saddle. In the final race, um, it looks like uh, the mile and three eighths turf race, the MAC. The Diarmedia, if I'm saying that right, went to Twilight Eclipse, and we had uh, two uh, guests that we've had on Winning Ponies, Dan Illman and Byron King. It was uh, their best bet of the day, so congratulations to those guys for nailing the horse. Uh, certainly had a lot of back class and raced in about nine consecutive graded races. I believe uh, five of those were grade ones. Twilight Eclipse took the lead on the turn and got the job done over Amen Kitten who was a strong second up for the third spot at 2-1. to one. It was slumber. All right, that's a look at what's happening around the nation. What's coming up on the show will be Peter Rotundo, one of the many cast of characters in Esquire's new program, Horse Players. Stay tuned. You're listening to Winning Ponies. It was a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill.
2: He's out Got it. With two point eight seconds He's left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out
0: of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. Awesome. What?
3: at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football.
0: You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart.
1: All right, and with us, a first-time guest, Peter Rotundo Jr., as I told you, he's one of the many graduates of the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program in Tucson that we've had on the show. He's been going to the races since he was four months old. This guy must have some kind of memory, is all I can say. Uh, worked a little bit with the Daily Racing Forum, moved on with the NTRA, and uh, I believe he goes back to 2006, working for the Breeders' Cup, and holds the position of Vice President of Media and Entertainment. That's a lot to put on one plate, but adding to that, he is now one of the cast of characters uh, in the new show launched by the Esquire a Network called Horse Players, and all I can say is I don't think that they could have sent a talent scout out there better than to come up with Team Rotundo. Peter, how you doing? Hey, John. How's it going? Hey, thanks for it's having
3: going.
1: good. Good. Um, You know, it's funny. I I see a lot in some of the big races or Breeders' Cup. I don't get to talk to you a whole lot because, quite frankly, you're usually moving to or away from a window at the time. (laughs) It's it's always been a pleasure to see you. Um, Describe to me uh, your involvement. In, in horse players, I mean, did they, uh, have a talent scout? Uh, did they, did they go to the National Handicapping Championship and, and observe the, the cast of characters there and then say, well, we'd like to see if we can get these guys, these guys, and these guys. How do they come about to, to select you guys? Because believe me, Team Rotundo is perfect for this, uh, spot. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. What,
2: well, actually, it's pretty simple. Two years ago, I had qualified for the NHC. So I was in Vegas, with and, and I brought my father and Lee um, as my uh, counterparts to help me get through the tournament. And uh, Brian Pettigrew and Keith Chandler with the NCRA, they had a, they had a uh, production company that wanted to come shoot a sizzle reel. Basically, to get some footage uh, from, the, from the tournament and put together a five, six-minute sizzle reel and then actually go pitch a show about it. Betting on the horses and horse players, and sort of centered around the National Handicapping Championships. So, I happened to be there, and we were just hanging out. And of course, Keith and Brian, I've worked with for years. So, they told the producers, "Make sure you put some mics on those guys, you know, to get some footage." Yeah. Um, and along with us and John Conzi and Christian Helmers, and basically, that's what happened. And luck, luck luckily, what happened was Baychock, Mike Bechak, sat. We sat next to me. I didn't even know him. Uh, he had sat next to me and Dad and Lee for the whole weekend, and he wound up winning the million dollars. So, I mean, they literally caught lightning in a bottle having the cameras on us uh, for two days, and ultimately they made a nice fizzle reel. They went and pitched it, different network, and Esquire said, we like it, we buy it, and they bought it. So, uh and now it's their show, and Esquire, you know, put 10 episodes later, and Team Rotundo, along with Baychok and Christian and Conti and a couple
1: other guys now, um, that's the show so that's how it all how it came about well know, yeah, I, I highly recommend it uh, to to our listeners because they are horse players uh, i'm just the uh, kind of entertainment factor of, of winning ponies um so i really do hope they they they, they visit the show we had michael on last week kind of describing uh, his involvement and I, I i noticed the last show i watched it seems like He's kind of a, a subset of Team Rotundo. He seems to be around you guys. Was, it, was that from the relationship you, you built when you first uh, met him? Well, yeah. I mean, the first, the first tournament
2: was last week with the at Belmont, and you know that was the first time we were all together, uh, literally all together, since Vegas. So it was natural that he would sit with us. And the last time he sat next to me, he won a million dollars. <laughs> so I figure that's probably some good karma going But uh, yeah, I mean, he's been—you know—he's he's he's such a great guy, and uh, you know, we had a great time.
1: Well, what what I like about it—the honesty of of the show—is that you you not only revel with your high fives uh, when when you bring home a winner, but I believe it was the last show I watched. uh, You you made what us handicappers know is is the 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 uh, uh, ultimate—you know. Death wish, and that's st- picking a horse, sticking with a horse. It, get, it gets good odds, and you go to the window, and you change your mind. Man, I felt bad for you. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: it was one of those things where normally my father and I, if we come up with the same horse,
2: we usually bet it. Let's, let's say it's real money, right? We pound we it, right? We're like, oh, my God, finally. Because we disagree a lot, right? The idea that we come up with the same one, we usually double down, right? That's the idea. But for some reason, you know, I don't know what happens. You're in these tournaments and like anything else, these talk out of my head. I'm like, you know what? Let's just spread in this rate. Let's spread instead. You know, you go with your second choice. I'll go with the one. And then that was the first bad decision. And the second bad one was I get up to the window and I'm like, you know what? I talk myself off it on my way to the window. It's like this what the trainer hadn't won all year. I was like, what are we looking at here? And I, and I literally went awesome. So. It was a double whammy, and of course the horse wins, and it was just a bad moment in the Team Rotundo history.
1: Well, you know, and again, that is the reality of it, because there's not a single one of us that hasn't done that. I wish I had a nickel for every time I saved five bucks and lost 500 you know, by throwing a horse yeah. out. Yeah. You know, it really, it really is the, the, the reality of it. Now, um, it seems that the, the shows I've caught, you've always been at, at pretty major venues. How was that planned out? Well, I mean, honestly, what happened was in the beginning of the, 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 the series, you
2: know, I sat down with the producers and, you know, I helped them out. I mean, the idea is I'm in the business so long, I'm the only one that's, that works in horse racing, right? Everyone else is a handicapper or a horse player, or maybe they have something else to do on the side. But my job is remote horse racing, ultimately, and really the Breeders' Cup now. But So I sat down with them and I said, listen, we should go, let's try to visit the best venues in, in America, show them off to the public because they're beautiful and they're legendary and there's a lot of history there. Um, And let's just try to figure out a schedule working with the tournaments that exist. And uh, that's what we did. So obviously we started out with, you know, the Triple Crown, and then we're at Belmont last week. Next week we go to Delmar. Uh, Then we head to uh, Saratoga. We go to Keeneland at some point. We go to Fairgrounds, uh, Monmouth. You know, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, Breeders' Cup, of course, it's towards the end, and then we wind up in Vegas. But, you know, the idea was, let's just show it the best we can. I and mean, the footage is crisp, it's beautiful, right? And HD. I mean, that's the key, you know, the show oh, yeah. came off like that. And, uh, and you got some different kind of producers out there, right? There these guys do TV, reality, television, but they, something we haven't seen before, basically. So, the idea was, let's just try to get to the best tracks and have some fun with it.
1: Well, I mean, in, in your position as vice president of, of media and, and entertainment, quite frankly, I don't think you could have found a more powerful tool uh, to introduce people to our game, at least that side of it, that, that, that excitement edge, and that, the fact that our sport is a cerebral one. You're not standing at a one-armed bandit looking at it. No, I agree. Well, I appreciate it. Again, yeah, you're right. I think
2: so. I mean, the idea that Esquire, the brand new network, you know, half, 50%, uh, controlled by NBC, the other half by the actual magazine, um, that they wanted to put up their money and invest into racing to show it off is a huge, is a great thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, that's the beauty of it. It's their show, it's their money, it's the way it works. I'm, I'm there to try to help them along, you know, to you know to get them in the, in the right spot, and then, you know, hoping that some little magic happens now and then. So, um, I think it's a great way to do it, and I, and I think that, I think you're going to see more of these type of shows in surrounding horse racing come out, um, because I think that, you know, Hollywood will see this show and say, Hmm, that was good. Uh, Maybe there's another aspect of
1: racing we haven't uncovered. Well, you know, and uh, I think I'm starting to see that. So, It's a lot more exciting than eight guys sitting at a table with a deck of cards because you've got the uh, action on the track to throw into the characters and the decision that that they've made, you know, uh, going into the game. I agree with you. And and I think that, you know, the the hardcore, listen, I'm no more hardcore than we are
2: as far as, you know, going to track, you know, came out of the womb, basically. Um, But the bottom line is, you know, There'll be more gambling and more dis- and more handicapping and more understanding of why we did things as the season goes on. The key right now is what they're doing, as you could probably tell. They're developing the characters, so that you—it's not again not for us hardcore guys, but like you know the casual that might like reality TV or might you know might tune in—they gotta know the characters and either love them or hate them. But at the end of the day, if you love them or hate them, you're gonna care about what they're saying. So. If you go dive right into the betting and the, and the handicapping of it all without the characters being developed, I think it, was, it would be doomed for failure. So I think they're doing the right thing. I think sometimes the core folks I could tell from Twitter, you know, <laughs> they get a little anxious like, how come there's not more handicapping or betting? There will be. It's just they're trying to develop the characters right now.
1: That's great. That's one of the things I wanted to find out. You know, I think when just before they went on the break around Olympics, uh, they're going to kind of introduce us to this character that seems to be on the outer edge. Uh, what, what, what is he called? The Long Island Cowboy or something like that? The, Bro- <laughs> the Brooklyn Cowboy, Kevin Crow. Okay. Yeah.
2: He's, he's the real deal. I mean, he's a great handicapper. Uh, he's a former police officer in the NYPD. Uh, he actually was on, on horseback for NYPD for a while. And, uh, he, he's a, he's become done this whole time now, and he's a really good guy, and he's sharp. And, but, you know, listen, he's, people, you know, everyone has a different personality. He's like, nope. It is not there to make friends, right? He's going they to win money. And, right. uh, <laughs> that's the bottom line. So, he's, uh, but he, out underneath that exterior is, uh, is a great guy.
1: Yeah, and and it really is, you know, the the way it sets it, and as you know, Peter, uh, there are guys like that at the track that, uh, you know, I'm I'm here to play the game, leave me alone, but then there's also the ones when we see you sitting at the table with your wives or girlfriends, uh, maybe having a drink and having a little celebration, Uh, the the social side of our sport's a big part of it, too, so I I think the show really addresses every every level of of character that you're going to find at just about any racetrack you go to.
2: Yeah, and I think the one missing
1: factor—the whole—I appreciate that obviously. I think the one missing is
2: is the females, right? I mean, we, you know, we we tried, um, they tried to, to bring in a cup, to bring in, you know, a few young young ladies, and um, it just didn't work out this year, uh, just for a variety of reasons. Nothing, you know, against anyone. it just situational stuff happened, and just people, you know, time and contracts didn't work out, but. That was the intention always, right? Because we know that the, you know, there's a stereotype of, of, the, of the horse player, per se, but we met, and, and, and many um, young ladies out there that were tremendous handicappers and wanted to be part of it just didn't really work out for a full-time thing. If we're lucky enough, and if they are lucky enough to have a season two or something like that, I think that's what you'll see, And which is, again, important. I mean, we've got to show that it's for everybody.
1: Well, I, all I can say is I, I hope our audience is, is listening to you because they, I think they can get the enthusiasm in, in your voice and I think what you're doing is you're painting a little bit of a blueprint of what's going to come down the road the fact that this is a show that is evolving and uh, I sure hope that they, they re-up you guys uh, for a second season and, and um, probably pick up some new characters along the way because I, I certainly know that, that they are out there so That's I just want to tell you you, you, you you come off great I think You're doing a great job for racing, and uh, I just pray that the show continues, and I look forward to seeing the upcoming editions. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, Peter Rotondo, thank you so much for spending the time with us on Winning Ponies, and we'll be watching you on the Esquire Network on horse players for as long as they let it roll, and I hope you make it to the finals. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. All right. Have a good one. All right, well, that's the end result when you've got that money dangling out there for you handicappers. And speaking of handicappers, we're going to bring one on here. He's more than a handicapper. He's done just a little bit of everything in the sport of thoroughbred racing. His name is Rick Mocklin. I think you'll find him highly entertaining and hopefully highly insightful because we got some tough races to handicap. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind.
0: No holds barred. They need a ass and move oh, on. I and just, get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB,
1: NBA, NHL. Speak up, speak up, or forever hold your mouth.
2: We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports.
0: And they're off. What? You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. <clears throat>
1: all right, and with me now, you know, the world of Twitter, all of a sudden you get out there and it's like, Oh, my gosh, I just saw a name of a guy that I haven't talked to for maybe 20 years, but I followed his career because his name keeps popping up across the country because he has so many different jobs in racing. <laughs> and this is Rick Mocklin. I told you earlier he was the youngest track announcer in the country when he started down there at Jefferson Downs at right. the age of 17. Uh, since then, he's called it. A, they, several tracks around the country will ask him about that. Uh, he's always been connected with, uh, with the fairgrounds and one-way shape, or form, direct your communications. Uh, he's been the television host, handicapper. He's made odds. And one thing that I know that he's done throughout these, these many years at different uh, tracks has been a, an active jockey's agent. And right now he uh, is managing the career of, of jockey Richard Iramia. And I probably screwed that up even though I just asked him how to pronounce it. But with me right now, a man who wears many hats, including the front singing guy for <laughs> Jaguar and part-time with Harvey, Jesus, and Fire, Rick Mocklin. How you doing? Man, John, I am doing great. And I tell you, you, may, you said
3: something about Twitter. You know, I'm not really a real big social media person, but what I do find with Twitter, as you mentioned, you make contact and you can follow people in our business, and a lot of times... We can find out things that are going on in our business before they hit the blood horse, daily racing form, Equibase, Ray Pollock, and all of those guys because the,
1: the, the racing industry is very active on Twitter, and I think it's a lot of fun to follow it. It really is. It's almost like having a ticker tape. Uh, yeah. sometimes I try, I try not to get addicted to it, but I'll put something up, like let's say I just wanted to announce that, that, uh, that you were going to be on the show tonight, and I'll uh-huh. start looking, and I'll start getting information about, you know, some horse that's going to be out of the Risen Star, or, right. you know, a, a right. jockey that went down, or, you know, some kind, it's it just boom, 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 because really yeah. part of it's competition. These people are trying to, you, you know, get their, um, their blog or their their agency out there as being you know the newsbreakers and yeah. you know you got all the top writers you know uh, you know Tom Lamara Jenny Reese I, I don't want to play favorites um, but you know everybody's trying to trying to one up the next guy with whatever the hottest story is so yeah right. I I do like it from that respect right listen, let's go back to yeah. Rick Mocklin. Rick uh, there weren't any jobs I stated that you didn't do right well you know as you mentioned I've done a lot of jobs I've been fortunate. In a sense that the only job
3: I've ever had is working on a racetrack. As soon as I graduated from high school, I was the announcer at Jefferson Downs from 1974 till it closed in 1992. I was Tony Bentley's backup announcer at the fairgrounds for a number of years, did TV, did, uh, did radio like you're doing here. Had a little racing talk show called, uh, uh, Track Talk and Stretch Run and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I've done a lot of things, but it's, it's given me a very big appreciation for the entire sport of horse racing. How tough it is and how much fun it can be too.
1: Well, you, know, like I said, you've seen it from, from many, from many sides. Just reel off a couple of the tracks where you've been an announcer. Well, I was the announcer at Jefferson Downs.
3: I was the announcer at the Fairgrounds. I was the first announcer at Sam Houston Race Park. I called races at Ellis Park, at Bluegrass Downs. Um, not you know, not I was in a lot of places for a number of years, but you know, nowadays it's funny to listen to some of the different styles of announcing and speaking about announcing, I still appreciate the old style type of announcing's like uh, announcers like Tom Durkin, because I can remember one thing that Dave Johnson told me, I got to know Dave pretty well through Tony Bentley. Sure. Dave Johnson said Say only what you have to say, pertinent information, and get off the microphone. And I find nowadays there
1: are a lot of announcers that if they're getting paid by the word, they're making millions. (laughs) Rick, I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, you know, I I came up under uh, Kevin Gomer, who's sad to say his life was cut short, but he was the voice of Chicago racing and was well-known in the the Cincinnati area, just a fantastic announcer. And he was the same thing. He says, the more you talk, the less they listen. You know, make make your point and get it out of the way. Uh, There's announcers now, Rick, that from the moment those horses step onto the track for the post parade, they don't shut up. No, they don't.
3: They don't. They tell you, you know, even horses that are scratched. I've never heard uh, announcers in the past tell you as they're going through the progression of a call that the number six was scratched. I mean, you know that if you, you know, if if you can't bet on the six, so you can't be pulling (laughs) the six. So why tell everybody that he's scratched
1: again? (laughs) <laughs> well, listen, I want to get back to some of this personal conversation if I can get some of these races out of the way. One of okay. the reasons uh, I, I uh, uh, contacted you this week in particular is because a lot of the great racing is going to happen at the fairgrounds. Right. Uh, starting with a, a race that didn't draw humongous field, but right. has many angles to it. and I mean, it's, it's the Rachel Alexandra horse yeah. that uh, had impacts uh, on, the, on the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, th- there's a, a horse in here I find very interesting in this Rhea Antonio. I I understand she looks great, and I know I looked on your Twitter account and I saw you with the full moon rising uh, the other day, and so I know that you're out there to see these horses, and I hear she's a big, long, striding thing, and I know she'd had the best of 95 the other day, going four furlongs at the fairgrounds. Have you had a chance to see this beast? I
3: have had a chance to see her. She is a very... Attractive racehorse. She looks fantastic, and she is going to be the horse to beat. She, I, the I do not agree with the morning line odds maker, who's a good friend of mine, Mike Deliberto. I believe he's got Ria Antonia nine to two in the morning line, and I disagree with that. I thought she should have been the favorite in the race. Now, one thing I want to point out to you, John, is that Ron Pellucci, the owner of Lute Racing Stable, has been here at the fairgrounds since we are hit the ground
1: he's, been he's a character the I've had him on
3: the show. and very vocal about how well she's going to run i mean he's telling everybody that she is definitely going to win you know and that's one thing to be positive but she does look like the horse to beat she deserves to be the favorite and again we're going to be pulling for Joe Talamo because Joe is a homegrown Morero product, which is right next to New Orleans, right across the Mississippi River. Everybody's going to be coming out to see Joe ride this horse. So it's kind of like a double whammy, pulling for Ria Antonio and then pulling for Joe Talamo, who's going to be riding her. And I had a chance to meet Jeremiah Enkelhart, who's a trainer. i tell you what, very personable guy. Um, didn't get to talk to him much, but really enjoyed getting a chance to meet him. And he looks like he's one of the up-and-coming young trainers that we need to watch for.
1: Yeah, uh, like this, Angle Hardy's an upstate New York guy, although we spell our name with a different letter. And, uh, you know, I, I do think he's a guy that's flown under the radar. He he took over central New York and then has finally decided to branch out. And, and I'm glad that Ron Pellucci has has hooked onto this guy, because Pellucci himself is a guy that started out with claimers at, like, Thistledown, and yeah. now has worked his way up to some quality horses. And uh, he's just a real nice guy to talk to, and I, I'll be pulling for him now. you got to admit, anytime you got Steve Asmussen, Bob right. Baffert, right. and Todd Pletcher in the race. you, you got to give a second look to those horses, too. Um, obviously, the horses I'm talking about are Baffert Streaming, Untappable, untappable trained by yeah. Asmussen, and uh, got lucky at a, one of the final crop of AP Indy that comes in under the training of Todd Pletcher.
3: Yeah, you know, Untappable... You know, Steve has a method to everything that he does. I've been around Steve for a long time, rode first call for Steve back when I had Corey Lannery's book, and I got to learn Steve's patterns. And one thing, if you look at the work pattern of untappable, this race was what he was pointing to before the Kentucky Oaks, because the horse hadn't run since December at uh you know, in California Then you look at a long stream of steady horse over this racetrack. So he's bringing her up to this race. So Untappable is a horse that would not surprise me if she won the race. Of course, as I mentioned, I think Leah Antoni is the horse to beat. And then Baffert's horse, um, you know, this horse has run second last out at Santa Anita. He's not going to ship across the country just to take a vacation. So um, Todd Pletcher, when we get Pletcher's horses here, I seem to think all of the time that we're maybe getting his second string, third string, because I believe the horses that uh, uh, are what I would consider his first string stay in Florida and run at those places like that. But, again, there's, any trainer in the country would
1: be happy to have Todd Pletcher's second and third strings, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I, and I think part of it, too, Rick, is he's got to keep his horses out of his own horse's way. So yeah, yeah. that's he why he goes shopping separate, on a place. Which is a hard thing to do. And, if, and I know
3: you looked at the number of Triple Crown nominations. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's amazing how many good three-year-olds that he has to nominate for the Triple Crown races. And then the next thing is keep them healthy and keep them separate. Keep all of those owners happy if they all turn out to be uh, good enough to go in a lot of these prep races.
1: Yeah, I I had Johnny V on the show two weeks ago when it had just been announced that I think he had 43 Triple Crown nominations. And at the end of the show, well, John, I said, I hope you end up on the right pletcher horse because you got a lot (laughs) to pick from. Yeah, you're right.
3: That is a great problem to have. And I know Angel Cordero being his agent is just in a very enviable position where you got so many good horses. You just hope that you make the right choice. Or even in a case like that, you go to a guy like Todd and say, Todd, tell me which one's your best horse. Which one do you want me on? You know, so it's, it's a very enviable position.
1: It really is. Well, I'm um, enviable that you are down there in New Orleans right now with these good races uh, gearing up. So now I've got to lean on you for uh, one of the races that's going to uh, kick off the Kentucky Derby Championship Series, meaning the points ramp up 50 20 yes. 10 and 5 to get into the gate for the Kentucky Derby. Um, this is the the Grade 2 Risen Star. Uh you've got uh Horses, I know that you're very familiar with, uh, that ran one, two, three uh, in the Le LeCompte are, are, are going to be in in this field. Um, very uh, a lot of lightly raced horses, with some head scratchers, but a lot of them have had a trip over the fairgrounds. Who, who do you kind of like down there? I know I know that your boys on extra lock. I'm on extra luck, you know, and a lot of these horses are eligible for the same condition
3: that are in here, uh, a other than condition. There's a couple of maidens in here. I was really impressed with Vickers in Trouble when he did uh, break his maiden, broke his maiden so easy, it wasn't funny. Now, I know this this is a Louisiana red horse, and we've got the same situation that we had last year when Al Stahl had Sunbeam, and he was kind of pointing Sunbeam towards the Louisiana Derby. This horse was very impressive, winning a maiden special weight Louisiana bred race, but then comes back, goes off $1. seventy to one, and wins the LeCount Handicap very easily. This horse is impressive. Now, the only thing I don't like, of course, the number 14, well, we're actually going to be the 13 post position now, because Vickers in Trouble moves in with the scratch, of a bondholder, and Emmett Park draws in off the eligible list and is on the extreme outside. This horse has got enough speed that he's going to be able to position himself. I think Rosie the Prime is going to be able to put this horse where she needs him to be. So I guess I could say I'm pulling for Vickers in trouble for sentimental reasons. I'd love to see a Louisiana bred, get enough points, win this race, to be a legitimate contender in the Louisiana Derby, and then Maybe move on to the Kentucky Derby. We've got a couple of shippers that are coming in. Of course, Todd Pletcher has got one that is coming in. Uh, I like Tom Amos's horse Rise Up. I saw this horse run at, in the Delta Jackpot. was very impressive in the Delta Jackpot. And as history has been going the last couple of years, horses that come out of the Delta Jackpot that have won it, Go on to run big races as they progress in turn three. So this horse, I know Tom has brought this horse along with this race in mind, so has a good post position. Is another speed horse. There's a you know, I find it kind of interesting here, John. We've got speed horses and horses that lag back. There's no really kind of middle type runners. So some of those horses are gonna have to be a little closer than they normally are. And it's going to be interesting to see how speed plays out. The track's probably going to be fast that day. Uh, We are expecting some rain tonight, but they say that tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday are going to be really good. So I would imagine the track is going to be fast and it's going to help speed horses. So, you know, position, strategy, racing luck,
1: trip, it's all going to come into play. Well, again, I watched that race of Vickers in Trouble. I was very impressed. Horses don't know where they were foaled, and this horse is by a very hot sire right now and into mischief. So, yeah, yeah Vickers in Trouble, I think, has all the credentials, including trainer Mike Maker, uh, yes. to, in my belief, to be the favorite in here. But something that you said five minutes ago uh, piqued my interest, and that is how Asmussen brings a horse along and points a horse to a race. You know, uh, he, he Came from that, uh, he kind of ran back fast, those two races, back-to-back at the fairgrounds. And I'm just wondering if uh, you can maybe maybe put a line through the LeCompte. Since then, the horse hasn't run, shows some uh, steady works. And uh, this is just a horse who I love its pedigree, uh, Empire Maker, the Belmont winner, out of a Philly by the name of Caressing, uh, who mm-hmm. won the Eclipse Award as top two-year-old. So, you know, just using your own words, I'm going I'm to use Goldhawk uh, with Vickers in trouble and probably try to find a couple of... Other price horses in there.
3: Yeah, you know, another plus with the Ashfusen way he prepares for races like this, he's brought in Corey Nakatani to ride this horse, and that is a sign that Steve is serious because, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a comment that gets made in the racing office okay, Bridge Mahan's not on this horse. He's serious about this horse. He's bringing Nakatani. Not that Sean is not capable. Sean Whitmerhan is a very, very good rider, very talented rider, has a lot of experience with good horses. But Steve's kind of go-to rider for these kind of races is Nakatani. So he set that pattern the last couple of years. So I like to watch what Steve does because if something works for Steve – He does it, and he does it over and over again. So the line that I talked about with Untappable, the the string of words here preparing for this, and bringing in Nakatani to ride this horse makes me think, man, he's serious in both
1: races absolutely it's going to be a fun race to watch again we're talking with Rick Mocklin uh, that was the risen star that we just handicapped um, we've probably only got about 7 minutes left so let's touch on one more fairgrounds uh, race and then we've got to get to another big derby prep uh the okay. uh, the fountain of views and th- this race at the fairgrounds is the, the mine shaft handicap I believe Nate's Mineshaft even won this race last year but uh, these are these are horses that are very familiar with each other which is why I wanted to tap you uh, the top 3 out of the and a handicapper back in the field. And the top two finishers of the Tenacious are in here. And all yeah. but one of these horses has won at a mile and a sixteenth. I'm having a hard time separating this bunch, Rick Mocklin. Give me a hand.
3: Man, this is a tough race. You've got probably five horses in here that I think if they won, it wouldn't be a surprise. I kind of lean to Steve again. I kind of lean to Steve with prayer for relief. Um, you know, he's had two races over the course. He won a Tenacious Handicap. And he comes back in the Louisiana Louisiana handicap. He goes off the big, big favorite. And it says, if you look at his trouble line, two or three wide returns, no kick. One thing I know about Steve, Steve likes for a rider to save ground. Even if it costs you a race, he likes you to save ground. The comment where it says no kick... That normally doesn't apply to an Aspinousen horse, so I like him to come back and really make amends. He went off the favorite last time, as I mentioned. He's going to be close. He's going to be very tough in here. I like Michael Manage a little bit too. I like the Fletcher horse that's coming in. This is kind of a, a consistent horse, but we're looking at a lot of consistent horses in here. And I think Tom Amos's horse, Grand Contender has a lot of speed, uh, ground transport has some speed, braidster has speed, you've got a lot of horses with speed in here, so it may set up for a horse like Prayer for Relief, or even micromanage, who are gonna be maybe three, four lengths off the lead and just sit behind the speed. So, again, with these races, with, not really big feels, but I think strategy, and I think once the gate opens up, these riders, once they determine how things are gonna go, It's going to be a rider's race as far as making decisions that can either win it or lose it.
1: All right, well, listen, I've got a hard out in three minutes. That's putting a lot of heat on you, but I know you keep an eye on the national racing scene. Uh, the Fountain of Youth, Uh the, the, the setup I see here is you've got this uh, rematch between uh, Pletcher and McGahee with uh, Commissioner and Top Billing, and then you have the top three finishers out of the Gulfstream Park Derby and the top two horses stretching out from the Hutchinson. Uh, right. Anybody that, uh, that tickled your twine in here? I'm going to take a shot in here with
3: Wildcat Red. Luis Saez will be on him. Uh, this is, well, this is the horse that won the Hutchinson and won it kind of easy, kind of was drawn away, went off the favorite. Um, I think this horse, two turns is going to fit this horse. I, I, you know, this horse has run a mile already at Gulfstream and got beat ahead. So I think this is a horse that is developing and getting better as he goes along. So I kind of look for a big race out of Wildcat
1: Red. Well, again, I'm really going to be interested in watching, uh, you know, Commissioner and Top Billing. I I know that those horses have only broken maidens and come out of optional claimers, but the the the, the backstretch buzz is both of these horses have a lot of upside. Part of it, they're breeding Commissioner by AP Indy, Top Billing by Curlin, so there's there's certainly enough to suggest there that they can go the distance, and both of them come out of races with 90 plus buyers. Uh, So I think we're going to learn a lot about the 3-year-old division in the Fountain of Youth. This
3: is a tough, tough race and I think there are a number of horses in here that we're going to hear about for the next year or two that are going to come out of this race and really progress and go on.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's it's, there's a lot, lot lot of horses with a lot of potential. I, I find that at first I wasn't a fan of the Derby point system, but now I kind of am because yeah. some guys, uh, you, you know, they can't sit back and hold their cards because they want a big two year old race. Uh, they got to get out there and compete with each other. And right now, it's really neat how it's it's very much of a level playing field. It's like it's like going to the NCAA's and it's it's still the first round. You don't know who's going to yeah. beat who.
3: Or you, you look um, at it as it's like the final table and a World Series of Poker. You don't want to show your hand, but you better be aggressive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Rick, it's, a, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure uh, talking to you. Uh, while I've got about a minute left, tell me a little bit about your, your, the rider that you have now.
3: Well, I have, I'm working for Richard Aramia. He is from Uruguay. He's been in this country now about five years six years i've been working for him going on four we've been the leading rider in louisiana downs the last three years we're going back to louisiana downs again this summer very polished rider hard worker very nice guy 34 years old hopefully he's got about 15 years of riding which will put me at about uh, 72 and i should <laughs> be about ready to retire hopefully by then. but he is really a polished rider and even some of the people in Kentucky are taking notice to him now. So we're coming along. We're, we're really making strides here at the Fairgrounds. So I'm real happy with the way things are going.
1: Well, Rick Mocklin, thanks so much for being with us uh, tonight. You've got, you've got great enthusiasm. You've got great insight. And uh, from what I've seen so far, you've had a pretty great life. We've, I tell you what, life is good. I didn't realize it could
3: be this good. As we get older, it's supposed to get good man i 'm having a ball, and, as you mentioned i 'm doing a little singing. I started singing four years ago. I front my own band called Rick Monckle and Jaguar, and I tell you what i 'm having a ball i 'm having a
1: time of my life right now, John. All right. It certainly comes through with your enthusiasm. We'll be talking to Rick Mocklin. Uh, I want to thank Peter Rotundo for being on the show, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. And get those easy win figs. Don't forget there's some new contests. We mentioned them earlier. All these shows are on podcast. If you missed anything earlier in the show, come back to Winning Ponies, and you can hear the entire show in its entirety tomorrow. So for Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head,
0: not over it.